listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. My brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you his peace. Amen. Good morning. Well, I'm not going to ignore the elephant in the room. So the, um, the homily is going to be a little delicate this morning. Please stick with me. Um, I know we don't go to church to hear politics from the pulpit, right? We don't go to church to get yelled out or put down. We go to church to worship God. We go to church to be lifted up and inspired. And that's what I hope to do in this homily, but also not to ignore the elephant in the room. So we've had a, an extremely significant development in our country a few days ago. And um, just to point out, uh, our opening prayer in a couple of other moments in the liturgy and the readings uh, in our opening prayer today we pray O God who th- through the grace of adoption chose us to be children of light grant we pray that we may not be wrapped in the darkness of error but always be seen to stand in the bright light of truth how appropriate is that prayer today for us you know, wow, amazing. And um, so obviously, just the other day, we had the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and yesterday, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And we know that um, it was at Fatima. You know, I had to talk about Fatima, right? <laughs> Being the chaplain of the Fatima Shrine. <laughs> that it was at Fatima that the Virgin Mary asked for prayers. There would be uh, great wars and great errors spread throughout the world. This was 1917, and that the, the church would be persecuted, but she said, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. And uh, to this day, people and scholars have been trying to figure out, well, what does that mean? And, and um, so we know that the, um, the overturning of Roe v. Wade is certainly a step in the right direction in terms of once again recognizing the value and dignity of every life made in the image and likeness of God. How beautiful is that? It's amazing, huh? And um, so just to share with you a couple of personal things, um, I, you know, wasn't really pro-life and I wasn't really a church person when I was younger. I had kind of been a nominal Catholic as a kid and kind of fell away and uh, really found myself as uh, kind of a secular person, you know, kind of my ideas and my opinions had been formed by the secular culture that I grew up in here in America. And then it was when I was in college that I had a big conversion. I really started to pray and to study. And um, just to let you know, my whole life I've been one of these types of persons. I just love to understand things. Do you ever meet a kid who just loves to take the whole car apart? Like, how does this engine work? You know, you just, that was me, okay? My favorite letter of the alphabet is the letter Y. Okay, my poor parents, you know, and so um, I know when I started to pray and I was seeking the Lord, um, I really wanted to know our faith and what we believe and why. I studied Hebrew and Greek because the Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek, and I love that, and then Latin for theology, and, and from there, I just have always had this thing about wanting to understand, and um, that also applies to the Roe v. Wade case. So I actually did a personal study on the whole case and in, in the who, who the people were and the arguments and the decision and all of that, including uh, a second abortion case 
It was decided by the Supreme Court the same day. So Roe v. Wade and Doe versus Bolton came out together. The second one doesn't get as much press, but Roe v. Wade and Doe versus Bolton complemented one another. And um, so anyways, studying those and really trying to understand and and really getting into it all. And then um, I actually became friends with Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade. And I had many conversations with her. So it's interesting to note that Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, um, her name was Norma McCorvey, she ended up becoming a pro-life Catholic. She had a huge conversion because of the love and the kindness that she received from pro-life people. And then Sandra um, Kano of the Doe versus Bolton case, she also became a pro-life person. How amazing is that? And then finally, there was a doctor who was very instrumental in getting Roe v. Wade passed. He was the founder of NARAL, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, an atheistic Jewish doctor in New York City, was responsible for tens of thousands of abortions. He also had a huge conversion and became a pro-life Catholic, and I helped at his funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And it's just interesting to note that the three of the most important people who were involved with Roe v. Wade came out later, changed their mind, but also came out to, to testify that the whole thing had been built on lies, that they had lied to the court and to Congress, and the whole thing was a huge demonic manipulation. So um, let's acknowledge that part of it, because that's, that's the truth, but also to acknowledge that um, so many people uh, who've had an, uh, a relationship to this topic, maybe even some of us sitting here today with, with, as Catholics, we're not about condemning people. What did Jesus say in the gospel today? Lord, should we call down fire on these people? You know, and the Lord's like, no, the only fire that Jesus wants to call down on people is the fire of the Holy Spirit, like at Pentecost, with a fire which is symbolic of his love, symbolic of his mercy. It's like the fire of the burning bush, right, which was burning, but it's not consuming. It's giving light and it's giving heat. The fire of God's love, you know, on the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which was the day that the Roe v. Wade was finally overturned, we, we have the image of Jesus' heart with a fire, right? And it's not because he has heartburn. He, he ate spicy hot sauce, no. But it's symbolic of his love and of his mercy. And that is certainly our position as well. And, you know, I hear confessions every day at the shrine. You all are most welcome there. But to, to tell you that as a Catholic, I certainly have very deeply held pro-life convictions been marching at the pro-life march in Washington, you know, every year starting in 1993. Um, but nothing has solidified my pro-life convictions like pastorally walking with men and women, mothers and fathers who've had abortions, who've had a relationship with that, and testifying to me the damage that that had done to their, to their soul, to their life, to their relationships. And uh, now at the March for Life every year, there's a huge number of people who are, are standing there with signs saying, I regret my abortion, and giving witness and testimony to the, the great evil of that sin, but also to the great power of God's love, God's mercy, God's healing. And uh, as Catholics, we never want to leave that part out, right? And I couldn't believe this second reading today from Paul's letter to the Galatians, which is really one of my favorite passages where Paul is talking about the freedom that God wants us to live in, but not a freedom that means, hey, do whatever you want, but a freedom that says, let's pursue what is good, 
what is true, what is holy, what is beautiful. But listen to what Paul told us. Um, Be careful that you don't go on biting and devouring one another. Beware that you do not consume one another. I thought, is Paul talking to Facebook here? (laughs) Wow, right? What what an applicable reading. Um, the, The division and the struggles that are happening right now for so many people. But ultimately, we look to the Lord Jesus. Um, we know that he headed to Jerusalem, fully aware what waited for him there, and that he accepted the cross, you know, the suffering. He was crucified. There's a reason why he was crucified. He deeply offended people. He didn't want to, but if you stand for the truth, you're going to offend people. And then the Lord Jesus, every day, but particularly today in the liturgy, he invites us to follow him, which is another way of saying imitate him, meaning that we are going to be persecuted. And that's actually a good thing. You know, um, we will potentially be crucified ourselves. And we have a whole history of martyrdom. As you know, uh, throughout the land, they're starting to bomb and burn pro-life pregnancy centers now, which is just absolutely crazy. But on, an, on another hand, it's revealing the truth. Let, let the truth be known, what is good and beautiful and holy and what is not. And uh, I'll tell you, the times that I've done prayer, just standing peacefully praying the rosary outside an abortion mill in New York City, where I'd lived all these years, I can't tell you how many times I was screamed at, uh, punched, spit upon. Remember uh, a few times there were people in my face, I'm just standing there praying the rosary, in my face, screaming, we will be angry forever. To which I said, well, there is a place where you can do that. <laughs> but you don't, want, you, know, you don't want to go there, trust me. You know. And you think of the message at Fatima where the Virgin Mary showed the vision of hell to the little children. Said, little children, you've seen hell where people go. Who, they're rejecting God's love, God's mercy. And, and you get shocked and you say, could it be that there would be a person like that? That they would meet the all-loving God and he, he would offer his mercy and forgiveness and they would reject it. And the answer is yes, there are people like that. I've met them outside abortion mills, screaming in my face. Well, guess what? I've been praying for these people every day ever since. So that's my response to that is loving them and praying for them. But uh, just to conclude by saying that um, it is a, a wonderful development for us and beautiful and the fruit of so much prayer and effort. But it's at the end of the day, it's not about, it's not just about changing laws, but it's about changing hearts changing minds and hearts, conversion to the Lord Jesus. Um, As I was praying over the homily this morning, I was having a memory of being a little kid on the playground. And you know, oftentimes on the playground, there's a game and you've got two captains and they choose teams, right? (laughs) And it's like this team versus that team. And we certainly are experiencing that in in the culture nowadays. It's like right wing versus left wing, conservative versus liberal, CNN versus Fox News, (laughs) you know. Democrat versus Republican. And for us as Catholics, ultimately, none of that applies. You know, God does not play games on the playground. You know, um, those categories don't fit. For us, it's about following Jesus. It's about pursuing what is good and true and beautiful and right and holy and resisting what is evil, what is sinful, what is not of God, and inviting everybody, inviting everybody. As Catholics, we never allow our hearts to develop this division and faction like us against you. As Catholics, we imitate Jesus who says, follow me, come to me. Um, So if Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade 
and Mary Doe of Doe versus Bolton and one of the eighth, uh, abortion doctors who helped get abortion legalized in our country, if the three of them ended up being pro-life Catholics, there's hope for everybody. There's hope for everybody. And brothers and sisters, this is our call to be witnesses to that hope. It's the same hope that we have for our own struggles and the forgiveness of our own sins, that Jesus is calling us to something higher. And for that, we give thanks this day. Amen. been listening to from the friars podcast the community of franciscan friars the renewal please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media cfr underscore franciscans mm-hmm.